0: Everybody, my name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments LLC, where the deal is already done. We're on episode 99 of Goals and Updates. Just give me one sec. I'm just gonna make sure this post's in. Hang on. I got it. We good. What's up, Sterling? Alright, so <clears throat> we're on episode 99 of Goals and Updates. Uh, the reason I'm coming to you on a Sunday is because I skipped out last Monday and I wanted to make up the episode. So tomorrow will be Monday as well. We'll come in. I'm changing the time to 730. It just makes more sense. By the time I get home, it's pretty close to 7. I don't have enough time to set up all the podcast equipment, which is doesn't take me that long to set it up because basically I just plug in the, the microphone, the, the headphone jack, and I turn on the equipment and it goes forward. So that, that's not really the problem. The problem is kind of like getting all the material together, picking out the stuff I want to talk about for the episode And little minor things that just take up a little bit of time. And then I try to, like, eat so I have a little bit more energy. So 7.30 is a better time for myself. So what we're going to end up doing is we'll still do Monday and Wednesday. Um, And I'm just going to change the time from 7 to 7.30. So, you know, instead of 7, it's going to be 7.30 every Monday and Wednesday. And, by the way, tomorrow will be the 100th episode of Goals and Updates, which is pretty awesome. I'm trying to get, you know, a couple couple more guests on this show, like different people I've picked out. And I just got to try to follow up with certain people and get them on the show and try to get a good time. The the problem is scheduling because my schedule is not so much, uh, it's not a schedule I can just shift everything really fast. So it's kind of, it's like they expect me to be there at certain times. And if I'm not there, I get in trouble. And it's, that's the most difficult part is my schedule is not very flexible with this company. And so like my schedule is not very flexible at this company. So it's really hard for me to kind of like maneuver and try to get certain things. So, you know, I, I do the best I possibly can right now for the, you know, the job that I have right now is full time. So how this show normally works is it's called goals and updates for a reason. I update you guys in the beginning of every episode and I try to update you guys on my life and show you that the stuff that I'm talking about in these topics, I do myself. Uh, the bet, the best, uh, the best philosophy that I try to live by is uh, lead by example, meaning, if I'm giving you information and I'm, you know, telling people, Hey, like you should be doing this. I can't tell you that you should be doing it if I'm not working on it myself. So I try to lead by example and I try to live by the stuff that I, I basically talk about in these segments. And at the same time I'm learning with you and I'm trying to grow as a human because we're all not perfect. There's not one perfect human being in the world. And so that, you know, if I can basically do this and, and try to lead by example, the show becomes more realistic, it's more better and and the, and the, the whole reason of doing the show is to help other people that maybe need the extra help and get people thinking a little bit differently and changing negative thinking because we all think negative, we all have this perspective of of negativity and I'm trying to change myself at the same time help people get out of the struggle with uh, with your mindset because everyone has really bad be- you know most people have I shouldn't say everyone. Most people have really terrible mindsets because they've been passed down by generation of generation of people, adults, your parents, uh, just wrong information that's been spread. So that's really what this show's designed is to get you to think differently. Now, how I do the, the show is I go through the updates. So the updates is showing you you know, what I'm trying to learn myself and progress into and show you that I'm trying to change with you. Then I'm going to go into two topics. The first topic today is going to be cut out the waste in your mind. The second topic is going to be look back at history and and look at the old ways of life. And then we're going to go into done deal investments at the end and then we'll wrap it up. So to start with the updates, I got on a, a, a platform right now called Podbean. So it's basically just a podcast platform where I can put all my episodes on there, which I'm working endlessly, like almost every single day, I'm trying to download one or two episodes and manually upload them into there. So that's called Podbean. The my URL link, which is in the description on Facebook and the description in um, or the comment on Instagram, if you're on Instagram Live, is goalsandupdates.podbean.com. So that's the URL link that you can go to, and it, I upload all the MP three uh, MP three formatted um, segments of goals and updates, all the episodes. So right now I think we have 16 episodes. I'm working on getting 17 and 18 up, and then. I'm just constantly trying to update that until eventually I catch up to the previous. So until I get to like 99 or whatever episode I'm on when you're listening to this. And then that way, once I'm done with them, I can just upload them. And then I got to work on a YouTube playlist section, which is going to take a lot longer because I got to cut all the segments up and put them into playlists into YouTube, which I've already worked on creating that platform for YouTube. So that way, you know, people can't say, People can't say they're too long because I get that a lot. They're like, hey, man, you talk for an hour, an hour and a half, and they're too long. I can't stay on Facebook or I can't stay on Instagram for that long. I'm doing too many things. So the reason I did Podbean is so it's, it's to every device, computers, cell phones, tablets, iPads, right? Any device you have that'll play audio, you can literally just either go to the website, the URL link I gave you, and it's, everything's up there. You just press play on the episode. It plays for you. It's done. Right? It's that simple. You go to that URL, press play, it plays it for you. Stop, pause, come back whenever you want. That'll solve that problem. Now, the other thing too is you can download their mobile app. So if you have any mobile devices like your cell phone or a tablet, you can download the app and it'll basically just play in the background from, if let's say you're working out, it'll play in the background and you can listen to it. So I'm making it more accessible to you and I'm trying to, I'm trying to expand it and build a bigger audience from it, all right? Now, the YouTube idea came from when people kept telling me, like, they're too long and I can't stay. So the idea of the YouTube platform that I'm trying to work on right now is cutting it down into 10 to 15-minute segments on the topics I'm talking about. So if you don't even want to listen to the intro, you don't to listen to my updates, actually, you know, that'd be part of the playlist. But you could even skip that and go into the topics I'm talking about for 15 minutes a piece or 20 minutes a piece, And that'll even cut down more time for you. So you're getting, you're, you're getting away from all the updates of me if you don't want to listen to that or you're getting rid of the done deal investments if you don't want to listen to that when I, you know, basically brand my business on here. And you can just go right to the topics. And that, that's, that's going to cut down a lot of your time too. So I'm doing, you know, basically everything in my power to get that time thing going because I know it's a big, big issue for a lot of people is the time. So you, you won't have that complaint anymore. I'll basically solve that for you. Uh, what else am I updating? So I ordered a couple of things that I ordered on Amazon, which will make a lot, you know, everything better is the chair that I'm in right now. Like, like if you're on, if you're on either one, Instagram or Facebook, I do everything at my office in my rooms. That's why you can obviously tell in the settings. If you're, if you're watching an MP4 uh, video, however you're watching this, you're, you know, you might be on the audio version, but it, it won't matter. But I do it in my room cause that's the little office space I use for my business. And so, you know, I don't obviously have a, a studio yet, but this is really my studio It's my room. So gotta start somewhere. gotta start small and build your way out until you can afford all that stuff. You gotta start small, right? The, the most important thing is starting something. So that's what I did. Now I ordered a, a more comfortable chair because I'm sitting for such long periods of time. I, I'm at this full time job. I don't really move around. I get two 15 minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch. Now, the 15-minute breaks, I try to go outside, get some fresh air, walk around, you know, get out of the chair. When I'm eating lunch, I'm obviously not going to walk around outside and eat my lunch. I sit down in a chair. So for easily seven and a, seven and a half um, hours, I'm in a chair. Then I come home, and I'm back in a chair. And I try to go to the gym. I try to walk. I walk with my one friend once in a while. I'm actually going to walk later today with my one friend. And uh, we just kinda, we just talk, and, and we, we help each other out through, like, you know, it's better to vent you vent to like your friends and if you have really good friends they'll talk to you and give you advice and vice versa and you talk and you just start dialogue and that's the whole idea with the podcast now um the reason i'm telling you all this is because i'm trying to update you on the chair so i i bought the chair on amazon which i'll let you know how it is once i get it it's probably gonna take a couple days because i don't do the prime stuff so i don't pay for the subscription i don't order enough stuff online and the other thing I ordered, which is going to be really, really cool, and I can't wait. I'm actually more excited for this other thing I ordered yesterday rather than the, the chair. But obviously, the chair is going to be nice because it's a comfortable chair. And right now, I'm in a uh, foldable chair. So my, my back, like even right now, sitting here and talking to you, my back is kind of messed up. And um, you know, the other thing, too, I got to invest in, which is a little bit of an update, is uh, once I get my money where I want it to be, I'm going to start investing in myself and start doing like uh, massages every, like maybe every month or every two weeks or I got to do something for my back because, you know, since I'm sitting a lot, my back and my posture kind of gets messed up a little bit. And at the same time, you know, when you're working out, that also is a little bit stressful on your back. And I got into a a car accident about a year ago. So I'm trying to take care of myself for my future me. Right. And that's something that's very important that I don't think a lot of people do is they don't invest back into themselves. They just spend on useless stuff and they're not they don't invest back into them. So, you know, the, the back the back stuff is, is really important for me because I know I got into an accident. And even though I'm young and it didn't really affect me too much, I know that it can creep back up and, and get me over time is, is, the, is having you know massive back pain and issues with my back because of that car accident. And that's what I was talking about with a doctor at uh, one point in time. And he was like, you know, even though like right now you're fine, he's like, it can come back. So it's something that is on my mind. And I got to, you know, my muscles, I don't really stretch that much. So that's another reason to go get those massages and stuff. They stretch out your um, your muscles and you always feel really good about yourself after you get out of them. So that's something that I'm thinking about investing in myself is, is massages at least like once a month. Once, I, Like I said, once I get my money and my finances and I, and I actually earned it. It's a big, big thing that I've been telling my one friend uh, that spends a lot. I said, and I gave her the, the mentality or the mindset of, did you really earn that trip? What did you do to earn that trip? And that's how I use my money. And I try to motivate myself to go, hey, I'm going to push a little bit money over here. And I'm not going to break the piggy bank because I organized my money. And I, I physically earned that trip by going and working extra hard, getting those bonuses and pushing money in different areas and investing in and just doing things that I wanted to do, uh, to be a better individual. I volunteered more hours today, right? Like today I just volunteered an hour, you know, hour and an hour and 15 minutes at church ushering. They don't pay me for that. That's all volunteering. And you know, and I try to do the best I can at that job. There's always this one, one lady at the door and I open up the door for her. And cause a lot of, there's a lot of older people that come in wheelchairs and everything. And so she, she came to the door and I always open it for her. I open the doors wide open for everyone. And then what I try to do is she struggles getting, getting the little wheel, the wheelchair um, item up the little step part. So what I do is I, I just gently pick up the wheel and she puts it on and then she pushes the, you know, the rest of the other two wheels behind her over that little brake. And I smile at her and she just smiles at me and goes, thank you so much. Now, why am I doing that? I don't have to do that. I could just let her struggle and let her, the reason I'm doing it is because I'm trying to build that, that different mentality that I keep telling you about that mindset, the mentality where, I, you know, I don't expect anything from that lady, but I want to do what I can, even though I'm volunteering, I want to do whatever I can to help that community because the people that are coming to that church, the the whole idea of the church is you're helping your neighbors, you're helping your community. You're, you know, you're doing whatever you can to help the poor. you're, it's all about community and that's the big thing that I think a lot of people don't understand with like this type of religion or religions in general is it all comes back to community and you're forming a community when you go to that church. So in my mind, I'm like, if I could do whatever I can to help these people, even though it's a small little, small little thing, like helping the the lady with her wheelchair over the little bump at the door, it's building that mentality of giving back, helping other people, even though some people are angry and some people probably don't appreciate it. And, you know, I you know, I, I know that specific person appreciates it because every single time I go to give her the bulletin, she goes, Have a great Sunday and thank you so much, right? She she thanks me. But there's some people that you do that and they and they would yell at you for doing that. And so that kind of builds your mentality of like, I don't want to help other people. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. I don't want that negative mindset of, Oh, this person's not gonna appreciate it, I'm not gonna do it. So that's why I do that. And by the way uh if you can work for free and be happy for working for free and and actually giving it 110% you'll be the the most wealthiest person on earth because you're not expecting something in return and people notice that people notice when you can physically go and do something and you're not expecting like a a thank you or you're not expecting um you know something in return like money or some type of trade exchange and and people will actually give you more stuff because of that because they're like oh like this person's very grateful even though like I'm not giving them anything and they actually feel more obligated to give you something. It's almost like building more trust. So that's the mentality I'm trying to build in myself when I, when I do these roles. And I actually took another two hour or uh, two opportunities to go and volunteer at my church. Again, I got, um, they want me to do these projectors, Uh, where they put the words for the music and everything on the, on the, um, on the walls. It's, it's just a projector I control. And I do that. And they asked me for these two days and I told them I'd do it. So that's two hours that I'm volunteering of my own time, (coughs) excuse me, where, you know, I, you know, I can't get those two hours back, but in my mind, I'm like, it's worth volunteering and helping the church out and helping individuals. So I got to go do that. Uh, The other things that, I can update you guys on, especially since we're talking about volunteering is, uh, I have an opportunity that was presented to me, which I'm going to tell him I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know, you know, what exactly is going to come, um, come from it. You know, definitely opportunity, but I got offered at this one guy that works at it doesn't work at, he, he goes to Toastmasters. He's part of the club goes in, uh, he works for the library. He so said he worked for the library for like the last 23 years, basically. And they're always looking for different events to be put on at the library. And so he asked me if I wanted to go and speak in front of, um, which I could do it as an episode for my podcast. He said, like, I could bring all my podcast equipment and actually film it with with my audience base and my, you know, my audience. And at the same time, use their audience, like the people that are physically coming in for the library. So you have two different audiences that you're catering to. And I thought of it, and I was like, that's a great way to expand my podcast but at the same time give back so and and start getting used to physically going on a stage or in, in front of you know people and actually talk and do what i'm doing right now on a podcast because the podcast part is a little bit easier only for the fact that you know i don't have a live audience in front of me that's going hey like this this and this i mean it, it you you basically kind of do but it's not the same like i could easily ignore you on here rather than ignoring a live audience and, and trying to engage with them more right so it's a little bit more engaging. It's more exciting. It's it's you gotta. It's a little bit more nerve-wracking. So that's what I kind of like. I want to get out of my comfort zone. So he wants me to do how to create a podcast. So I gotta go and I'm gonna go talk to him and see how I can schedule something for that. But I just ordered and I kind of you know I kind of went off topic and got got away from this one. But I also ordered a um, easel dry erase board. So it's all magnetized. It has different couple features, but it's a 36 by 24. I want to say uh, dry dry erase board. And the reason I got it was whenever I go to seminars or I go to like any finance or personal finance seminars, or if I go and see Grant Cardone live or any motivational speaker, they always have some type of board where they can write on. Whether it's just paper, like a paper board, or a dry erase board, whatever it is, electronic board. And they write what they're saying because it it creates more of a visual for people. Right. So the what I'm trying to really do with that is I want to get better at engaging with my audience. And when I do speeches I, t- I really did it for Toastmasters because that's where I really do my speeches and I talk to you know obviously the club and I talk to guests that come in and I do, you know, and, I, and that's physic, that's a physical live audience physically in front of people. So um, I'm physically getting judged as I talk. I'm physically getting uh, gestures and I can physically adapt to what, how the audience is reacting to information and kind of, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So what I wanted to do is get this dry erase board and start doing like real presentations where it was almost like selling something or like even maybe for like done deal investments, like pitch them business ideas and see what works and what didn't stick and what people liked and what people didn't like. But the real reason I got it was um, I want to do this speech where it's going to be called the three the three groups that take all your money, and it's going to be talking about Wall Street, banks, and the government. And on the board, you know, I wanted to, it's going to be a lot of information, so I wanted to be able to draw visuals and show you like, hey, this point from this point makes this from over here, and be able to draw diagrams and stuff like that, and. I I just, it, it, it's better because people learn visually. I read a I read a, a quote a long, long time ago. It's really not a quote. It's more of like a statement. But um, when I was doing some sales training with Grant Cardone on his uh, training videos, the biggest thing he says is, always have things in writing, always uh, have something where it's visual for that individual because most people don't listen or learn or accept the truth when they're listening, right? If I'm just telling you something, You can easily contradict it. You can easily talk yourself out of what I'm saying. But if I have visuals showing you that you know this is really what's going on and this is the truth, you're more likely to believe it if you can see it rather than listening to it. People believe what they can see is is the saying. People believe what they can see. So that's why I want that board because when I go over certain things, especially if I'm going to do a thing at this library too, I can write it on the board. Like if I was going to talk about Facebook ads or I was going to talk about um, different laptops to use or microphones or, you know, whatever it is, I can easily draw it on the board and people can take notes better. So that's really, really what I wanted to do is, is get this board, which I purchased and I'm actually really excited. It should be here in like the next probably four days, five days. And I'm going to try to use it in my next speech at Toastmasters and we'll see how that goes. But that's really exciting for me is getting that dry, that dry board, er- er- uh, dry erase board. Sorry, it's dyslexia kicking in. And be able to actually, you know, do better, like better, better, basically public speaking, and and start trying to, you know, enhance a skill set of like writing at the same time as explaining and doing visual ex- explanations. So that's something that I'm looking forward to, and I'll update you guys when when all that stuff goes down. But so that's one opportunity I'm going to try to take. I was also talking to my mom about uh, my third grade teacher wants to reach out to me, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to her, and I think. Uh, my mom mentioned something about, uh, you know, I'm in Toastmasters and whenever she brings it up there, most people know what that is. Uh, it's a, it's a very, very popular international club. So whenever she mentions that, they go, Oh, he'd be perfect to go here and speak here or go and do this and try to do a presentation over here. So what I started trying, you know, what I started trying to do is, um, I'm trying to find little outlets where I can go and speak. And like, I don't care what they want me to talk about or what they want me to do, but that's what I'm going to try to do is try to get some like free opportunities and just volunteer my time places and start speaking to people. So um, for that, I'm, I'm sure I'd be talking to like high schoolers. I don't know if she's still, I had her in third grade, this teacher. Um, I don't know if she's still teaching third grade or if she's teaching high school now or, or what the deal is, but um, I'd, I would definitely be talking if I did do it and she set something up where I could go and speak to one of her classes about public speaking or just getting out of your shell or just life in general. And motivate these young kids it's definitely going to be a a a younger audience so i definitely have to try to make some type of material where it's going to be uh more educational and something that these these young kids are going to want to listen to rather than you know like money and stuff like that obviously i probably would stay away from the money topic and all that crap but i would probably talk more about motivation and and how to look at life in a different way and try to like explain how you know when i was younger I didn't really pay attention in school and I, I didn't care for it. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to try to tell you that you can't do certain things, but, you know, you can change the course of that if you could just believe in yourself. And I'm just going to probably talk about believing in yourself and motivation to these, these younger kids because that's a thing that a lot of, a lot of uh, schools, a lot of different parents and people in general aren't really trying to do. They're not trying to motivate people. They're just trying to discourage a lot of things. And if you ever go to someone and say, hey, I have an idea for this, or I want to go do this, people, a lot of people are not very energetic to tell you, like, go for it, go for it. They kind of tend to tell you, like, oh, it's kind of stupid. This is why it's not going to work. This is why it's wrong. And they try to contradict you and try to uh, demotivate you, basically, to not go for it. And that's what I wanted to change if I did have that opportunity to go and talk there. But like I said, these opportunities are presenting themselves And it's because of, of the atmosphere I'm in with Toastmasters. A lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening if I didn't go and go to Toastmasters. I don't, I don't even think I started this podcast until I started going to Toastmasters and realize, and realizing like, Hey, that's like something I want to do. As I remember the first time going to Toastmasters, stepping out of my comfort zone and speaking and how good and embraced I felt like, like it's one of those things where you're probably not going to really understand how I'm explaining it, but it's just a feeling where I stepped, I stepped out and even though I was talking to maybe like seven or 10 people there and doing like an icebreaker or my first speech, right? It really had the material together and I started speaking and trying to, you know, talk about change or self. The first one I ever did the real speech, the first one you do is an icebreaker. You kind of talk about yourself and why you want to do Toastmasters, which is pretty awesome. But the first speech is where it really gets you because you're talking about something that you want to present and it's not really, really scripted and you're trying to basically go off script and think on the fly and and really build yourself as a, as a public speaker. Basically, it's the first time you really public, you do any public speaking. And I just remember the first time I did like self worth and I was explaining certain things and people loved it and they came up to me and they're just like, Hey, it was a great first speech really surprised how well you pulled it off and how, you know, how you had your material labeled out better. And you listened to the tips that certain people gave you and you're a really good speaker. And I, I really do love when I go there and we have a guest and I've, I've never met these people before and they come in and they, you know, they're there trying to do the same thing. They want to be motivated to go and speak. And so when I'm up there and I'm talking, it's, it's like, it's like fresh, fresh people I can talk to. And I, and I can basically try to motivate them to join the club. And that's basically what we're doing is we're trying to motivate these people to join this club called Toastmasters whenever I speak. So the first time like I did a speech and I had a guest, it was kind of funny because I went out there. What's up, Stella? I, w- I went out there and I, and I started talking. And it was just it was it was so funny because like this person, everyone comes up to me if I do a speech and it's like a guest and they're just like, hey, man, you're so good at speaking. How long have you been in this club for? Because like you look like you're so confident up there. Like, you know, what you're saying you got these speeches that are really good. And they're like, how long you've been in the club? Probably for years. Right. And I'm like, no, I've only been in this club for, you know, five or four, four months. And they're like five months. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, it's something that I've been doing. Like I do podcasts and I do different things where I'm constantly speaking out of my comfort zone and talking about topics and trying to talk to more people and networking and, and different things. And so I'm like, it's just natural for me. But these topics, I just, you know, I think about, I'm at work and I'm constantly thinking and I'm like, oh, this would be a great topic to talk about. Right. Um, Hey, Stella, what's up? No, uh, no, long time. No see. <laughs> But uh, but anyways, so that's kind of what it. it's really awesome when I get different guests at that, like at that club with Toastmasters is it just it gets you to really try to go out your comfort zone because I don't know anyone that's going there. It's almost like doing a stand up comedy, right? If you went to like a stand up comedy club, you don't know anyone that's walking in there and you don't know if they're going to judge you. You don't know if they're going to if they're going to go with what you're saying. Uh, there's been speeches where I was talking about money at one point and I saw, this, I saw this, one, um, this one lady just nod her head and she's smiling and I look at other people and they look pissed off, <laughs> they look pissed off and I'm just like, yeah, all right, I got to try to get more energy so I, you know, I go harder and I get more energy but it's just crazy because you really don't know who's going to show up, you don't know the person's mentality, you don't know the person's beliefs, you don't know anything and you're trying to pitch these ideas that are yours, right? And the cool thing about Toastmasters, by the way, real quick and I'll wrap this up but the cool thing with Toastmasters is it's you got six and a half to seven and a half minutes of whatever you wanna speak about. Now we have pathways, so you kinda go through your pathways, but I create all the content. Yeah, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for Greece. It's gonna be sick. Um I'm already saving my pennies <laughs> and dollars. So uh yeah, for anyone that didn't know that, that, that's gonna be cool. I'll definitely update you guys on that. Uh whenever, you know, that's I think that's in like the next year, but uh, The Greece thing is going to be pretty awesome. I'm pretty stoked on that. That's that's probably like that's going to be like my first international trip out of the country, and it's going to be so cool. And I'm going to be with amazing people, by the way, too. Like do, like, all of them are just amazing individuals. Like if if you guys ever get the chance to meet any of them, like oh man, they're they're amazing people, just amazing. But anyways, um, what was going to say, kind of threw me off, Stella. Damn. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but so you have six and a half to seven and a half minutes to talk about whatever you want. And that's kind of like the the coolest thing is these people have to physically listen to you. It's like an audience that is already there and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Oh damn, you're going tomorrow. Damn. Yeah. Give me a call later. I'll definitely speak to you later. Just give me a call. But, um, wow, that's crazy. You're going to Greece tomorrow. That's, that's crazy. You gotta let me, or let me know how that goes. But anyways, um, so you got like the six and a half to seven and a half minutes to talk about whatever you want. And, that's the coolest part is these people have to listen to you, right? Like these people are obviously going to walk out if they don't like what you're saying, but they're probably not. Cause you only have the seven, you only have seven minutes up there. It's not like you're doing a full Kevin Hart stand up comedy for an hour and a half. Like it's only seven minutes. So most people stay, but I've never had anyone walk out, but it's just funny. I always get people that come up to me and they're like, wow, that was a great speech. Like you motivated me to go and like sign up as a member. And like, another thing I do too, by the way, guys, is at Toastmasters, if I see a guest before I even speak, they have like a 15 minute or a 5 minute break in between they go through like these segments and everything and they do the speeches at the end and so within these 5 minutes i try to go to the the person that came in that's a guest that i don't know and i try to go and shake their hands and say like hey my name is tyler what's your name like how's it going like are you interested in joining toastmasters and i try to sell them before i even go on the stage uh, you know cuz i'm trying to and i'm trying to network while i'm there too it's a great networking opportunity so um real quick before we move on to these segments, if you want to if you really want to improve your public speaking, and it, trust me, a lot of people are very scared to talk in front of other people. They just don't want to be judged, they don't want to do anything. Toastmasters is the way to go. Alright, there there's really no there's really no uh what's up, Stella? It's kinda of funny you change platforms, but um you really want you know you want to be able to speak in public, speak to random people. Uh, most people don't want to do that. And it's a skill that really not a lot of people think about, and you're gonna use it throughout your whole entire life. It doesn't matter if you're working for someone, you're working for yourself, uh, you're going to school, you're in college, you're gonna have to present at one point in time, and if you can master that skill that no one wants to master, you'll dominate. You could take any of the greats in society that have sold you on all the ideas, like uh, you know, segregation and, uh, things where, you know, before there there was a time in, in the United States history or even in the world, uh, to be 100% honest with you, where, you know, there was a lot of segregation. Now, they broke that through Martin Luther King. What was Martin Luther King good at? Oh, he was good at speaking in front of crowds and convincing people his ideas and beliefs. Um, Obama, right? Obama won not really so much on his policies now you know depending on what kind of political party you assign yourself to you probably disagree with me on that but the point of the matter is he won because he could speak in front of an audience and he convinced a lot of people by his voice to motivate them to go to the polls motivate them to believe in what he believed in and that he truly believed in um you know equality and different ideas and that he was going to change the world for the better right and in order to do that you have to be a good speaker that's why a lot of people don't like Donald Trump. He's not—he's not a political figure. He's not a good speaker, and you know that's why a lot of people don't like him in the sense of when he speaks. He—he do, he doesn't censor himself. He doesn't—he um, doesn't talk. He talks with a lot of energy, and he—and he puts a lot of uh, emphasis on ideas and big ideas and stuff. But he's not very well structured in his sentences and, and he's not politically correct and stuff like that. So that's why a lot of people don't like when he speaks, but the point of the matter here is it's a skill that you're going to have to use throughout your whole entire life is public speaking. So what's up? um, Damn Thomas. What's up Thomas for a second, man. I had a little brain fart. What's up Thomas. But, uh, but anyways, so it's a skill that no one really builds and I encourage you really to go out and, and uh, try the club. Like, come out and you can come as a guest. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to sign up or anything. By the way, it's only um, – I don't know if they took away the first-time fee. I think this one guy signed up for 65 bucks. So they might have got rid of that first-time fee, but for a long time it was $85 for the first three months because it's like a first-time fee. And then after every three months when they collect dues, it's uh, it's $65. So it's really, it's really not a lot of money. And if you don't have $65 for in the course of three months like you gotta, you gotta definitely work on your budget and you definitely gotta work on your finances because it's not a lot to build this skill. And you're, you're doing, no, it's a, uh, Thomas, it's a, it's like a public speaking club. So Toastmasters, if you want to look it up, uh, you can go and look it up. Um, you can go on the Facebook page, by the way, too. It's, called The Great Fort Lauderdale Toastmasters 2004 on Facebook. I'll send you a link after this. But it's just a club you come through, you, you work on your speeches, and you present it to an audience, like a live audience. And you just do whatever speeches you want. You can do the pathways. You don't have to do the pathways. You um, They do table topics. It gets you thinking fast and be able to talk fast and under pressure. Uh, what else they do? Evaluations, where they evaluate your speeches. So they do speeches, and the person comes up and evaluates. And they'll basically critique you and be like, hey, your speech was really good, but maybe you want to emphasize on this a little bit more. Or maybe you want to walk around over here. You kind of tend to stand still and you get nervous and you play with your hands a lot. And maybe you want to walk around so you kind of get your mind off of just standing still. Or, you know, you did this wrong. I really like this, but maybe do this. And they just give you tips and they try to help you embrace or improve your, your speaking skills. But like I said, it's a skill that everyone uses. Even if you're if you're working for someone and you're in a leadership position where you're a manager, you're going to have to talk to people and motivate your um, employees to work harder or convince them to show up the next day to work or present some, you know, if you want to go and get a raise, you got to go to your boss and have confidence and pitch your boss boss why you want to get that raise and why you deserve that raise. Uh, if you want to go for that next job opportunity, you got to present yourself. If you have a business you're working on, you got to be able to present ideas that certain people think are crazy right you got to be able to present yourself and you got to be able to speak to people and motivate people to take action and that's you know that's what this club does is this club works on your speaking skills and how you present information and how you do certain things so it's um it's definitely a good club i definitely recommend it if you're interested let me know I'll, i'll tell you where to go i'm there every single tuesday so it's every single tuesday from 7 to about like 8.30 that we normally end it. It's like an hour and a half roughly, but every Tuesday. So, and if you can't make it, you know, you just tell, you, you basically write and say, hey, I signed up for certain things and I can't make it tonight and we'll get someone else to so have backups to, to do speeches or whatever. But I'm telling you, just go check it out. If you're really interested, go check it out. It's It's been a game changer for me. I'm telling you, if you go on Podbeam that I'm telling you and you listen to my first ever podcast to 99, you'll understand that my speaking got really, really good. It, like, I don't say ums and ahs like I did before. I present very clear, precise points. I speak very, very quick. I'm on my feet, right? And it's because of Toastmasters, because I'm constantly speaking in front of people and I got to come up with things quick to say, and I got to move fast and I can't, you know, I got to have precise ideas. Sorry. But I'm telling you, Toastmasters kind of changed all that. And now I can physically go places. So if someone wants me to go talk at a a wedding and, you know, ding, 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 talk at a wedding, I can do it. Most people can't. Most people like, oh, man, I don't know what to say. Well, I can't do that. Right? I'll just be like, okay, let me, who's, you know, who's getting married tonight? Let's go. Like, I'll be ding, ding, ding. Hey, I've only known these people, you know, Jen and, and Daniel for only a week. But hey, man, I'm here. And congratulations to these two, right? And I'll just think about it on the spot and I'll just go and do it. I don't, I don't really care how these people look at me. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get out of your comfort zone, right? When I do these podcasts, I don't know who's going to listen. I don't know if someone's going to come by and agree with me. I don't know if uh, it's going to be some weird person that's going to try to write weird comments and talk, but I'm doing it anyways, right? I am pre- I don't even know if you're going to agree with me on my topics, but I'm still going to present my topics, right? So, Toastmasters, let me know if you're interested. I'll, I'll send you links and and you can go check it out. And I'll be there at the meeting. So even if you don't, if you're like, oh, I don't know anyone, I'll be there and I'll introduce you to people and I'll go and and I'll take the lead and I'll, I'll show you what it's all about. And and you just go for a meeting, and check it out. Um, so if you're interested, let me know. Now, I'm trying to think if uh, it's basically all the stuff I have for updates. I don't. I have something else written on my uh, my little card here, but. Uh, It just says like three hours of sleep. Now the the only thing that I can say on that is basically the last two nights I've only gotten like three or four hours of sleep and like I've been running on like full. Like it's like the craziest thing is like I've just been running on full. I've never, I haven't really been, I haven't had any crashes. I haven't had any like crazy, I did get a lot of sleep last night. I'm not going to lie to you. I did, you know, do a little bit of extra sleep binging last night, but the point of the matter is I realized that I can get up early. If there's something important enough to get me out of that bed and only operate on three hours of sleep, I can do it. And I can be more productive on it too. So what it told me is that you know psychologically I've been convincing myself I couldn't. Oh, I need sleep. I can't do without eight hours of sleep. Obviously, you don't want to be running on three hours of sleep every single day. Um, I want to get to a point where maybe I'm running on six or seven. And whenever I pitch that idea, a lot of people give me a lot of shit for it because they're like, hey man, the average person needs to run on seven to nine hours of sleep. And I'm like, that's bullshit. And I was like, you know how I know that's bullshit? Um, a lot of these billionaires run on like six hours of sleep. Now, some of them you know, probably actually sleep a little, they probably tell you they sleep a little bit more, but it's because they have a lot of passive income, they have a lot of money, they don't have to really work as hard and they can actually do whatever they want uh, with their own life right but in the beginning when they did startups they were running on 6 hours of sleep and they you know when you're really constantly busy you have to get up to the next thing and move to the next opportunity and keep moving so and most of these people by the way wake up at 4 in the morning right 4 or 5 in the morning so you know you really it's 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 a lie you, know? you don't need 9 or 8 hours of sleep maybe 7 uh maybe 6 but i'm telling you i when i did that and it was only 3 hours of sleep i realized what's up jason i realized that it was, it was just, it's just crazy. It woke me up a little bit. I'm like, oh, I, I, it's possible to run on less sleep than what I was running on. Right. Um, even though it was three hours of sleep for the last two days, I'm like, oh man, I feel more energized within only sleeping three hours the last two days. than I did sleep in eight or nine. And I think the reason behind that is because you oversleep. And when I oversleep, I get more tired. Like and my body just wants to constantly keep sleeping. So, but I've seen a lot of these motivational videos like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, where, where he's like talking about, uh, you know, six hours of sleep. And he's like, whenever I pitch this idea of sleeping for six hours, be like, I need seven or eight, I can't do six. And he's like, I just tell him to sleep a little bit faster. Right. And, and the saying is basically like, you can do more than what you think is possible. And that was actually a topic I was going to talk about, um, today, but it's going to be another one about potential. And how like we all underplay our potentials. And it's crazy once you start doing little things. It's kind of what I'm talking about with the sleep, you know, sleeping a little bit less. I, you know, I had three hours of sleep uh, the last two days and I was running better than I've ever run on nine hours of sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, how is that possible? And the it's because I've been underplaying my potential, right? I've been oversleeping. So what's up, Jimmy? I gotta, I gotta talk to you later. Um, but so that's what I realized is, you know, I got three hours of sleep the last two days and I'm like, damn, I've been underplaying my potential. I've had more energy in the last two days than I did in probably the first week. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I've been going on. So that's my updates. Now we're going to go to the two topics. The first one I have is cut out the waste in your mind. Now I came up with this topic. I will, man, I'll hit you up later, but I, um, I came up with this topic because I started thinking to myself of like, you know, I've been trying to lose weight and kind of like build muscle and go to the gym a lot more and walk and just keep up with exercising and build up energy. And I've been thinking about fat lately, right? So like the the fat that's in your body, like when you eat too much and you're sitting around not doing anything. And I started thinking to myself, if you have fat in your body, what about your mind? What about your mind? Right? Just think about that for a second. What about your mind? What about all that useless information that people tell you about all the time and it's constantly just in your mind. I give you great, 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 great examples of uh, waste that, that's in your mind. The first one is, uh, which I've learned, and some of this stuff is from other people. I didn't obviously learn this on my own. It's just like mentors that I came across or different people. But uh, the first one is uh, cash is king. So the, I'm going to go through a couple different things. Uh, most of this stuff from Grant Cardone. So if you want to go look at him, he's definitely worth taking a look at. But he always talks about cash is king right? But cash is not king, right? Cash flow is king. And that's just, and the reason behind that is cash is useless. It's just a tool that depreciates over time. If you have cash in your pocket, every single day it goes down in value. And if most people just throw it in a savings account and don't use the the tool, they just throw it in a savings account and stack it, but it depreciates with uh, inflation, right? So three, it's like, I think it's 25 to three, 3% three every single year goes down in value your savings account because inflation every single year goes up. You print more money every single year. So that's the mentality of that one. There's another one where it's uh, a penny earned, a uh, penny saved is a penny earned. And he goes, it's only a penny, man. It's only a penny. It's not going to get you very far. It's only a penny that you saved. So the mentality of only saving like pennies and eventually it comes out and you win is you know, BS or whatever. Is so that That was one that he went over. Uh, the other one that he went over is uh, what was the other one? So cash, cash is king. Uh, penny earned or penny saved is a penny earned. I'm trying to think of the other one that he that he put out, which is pretty crazy. Uh, damn, my mind just completely went blank for a sec. But but those are just a couple examples. Other things I can really give you is like. Uh, he, he's really into like not really buying homes. Uh, so invest your money, right? Save to invest, which we're not really told. People are just save for emergencies, save, 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 and keep it. And his mentality is save to invest, right? You're going to save a lot of money and you're going to throw it into investment. That's going to make you babies. That's his explanation. Make babies with your money, man. Your money is designed to go out and make more money within that money, right? Uh, which we're not taught. No one, no one teaches you that. No one really teaches you. Like, you'll hear about investing, right? People will tell you about their investments and, oh, go invest in this, but they don't tell you, like, you save to invest. They don't have the mentality or the mindset of saving to invest. Now, I'm trying to think if there's another one that will hit me hard. Uh, but, oh, don't talk to strangers is the big one. This this one was a game changer for me. You're taught at a, at a very, very young age, and I've heard mothers and fathers say to their, their little baby you know, the little baby at a young, young age where they're probably like three and a half or a year old. And he was talking about how people are are taking their kids and saying, hey, don't talk to strangers. Like, stay away from strangers. Don't talk to them. Right. And that's because of fear. Right. But he said you have to talk to strangers in your life. Uh, You that's how you get everything. Like you normally get something from someone else. You don't get it from just Staying, playing it safe and staying in your house and in your own little bubble and not communicating and meeting new people and networking and uh, making connections and moving your money into this and working with this person and getting a job and going to college or whatever, whatever you think, you know, is the right way for you. But that's what he was saying is you have to, strangers have everything you want. Your money that you're making by the way, is from other people. It's constantly circling through the economy. So the idea that you're, you know, I've gotten so much crap from my mom for saying that she gets so pissed. And I'm sure, a lot, you know, I haven't said it enough to people because it doesn't come up in conversation or it's not really linked to something that we're talking about. But all the the money that you make through that job is not really your money. It's someone else's money. It went from one individual's pocket to that company's pocket to now your pocket. And it won't stay in your pocket. It'll go from your pocket to someone else's pocket in the next, you know, whenever you decide to take that money and use it or whatever you're planning on using that money on. And that's what I mean by you got to cut out the waste and the useless crap that a lot of people are talking about. And like, oh, that's another one. Diversity, um, you diversify your investments. And he said, diversification is for idiots. You don't diversify. You put all your eggs in one basket, watch that basket grow. And you'll hear this from other entrepreneurs too. Like more Cubans, a big one with that deal. Um, Steel Carnegie's a big one, Grant Cardone, all these very like really high, high-stake players that make a lot of money that are like are really wealthy, they'll tell you diversification is for idiots. The reason you they that diversification went around um, is because Wall Street needs you to diversify your investments in the stock market in order to manage your account and make money off your money. Just like a bank. They need to use your money to make money for themselves. So if you don't diversify, you can just do it yourself. If you had one stock and you're like, okay, I'm gonna watch this one stock grow, you don't need the person to manage it, you just manage the one stock or two stocks. Now if you have like seven or eight different stocks or even more, some people have more than that, you have to then manage it and really look at it and understand the, the seven or eight different investments you're, you know, you're invested in through the stock market. So that's where Wall Street came in and started promoting that and spreading that information. They needed that marketing, to basically be able to make more money off off the off the public in general so that's what he was saying and um, everyone and it's funny because I hear about that all the time diverse diverse you know diverse your investments diversify your investments and um, it was funny because I did a, uh, I did a little evaluation on that one time and um, I, I did like an evaluation I was explaining it a little bit I was like diversification is for idiots you don't really diversify when you're broke if you don't have a lot of money, you can't really diversify your investments. Diversification only works if you're really, really wealthy and have a lot of money to spread into different investments. And when I explained it, I had this older guy uh, who kind of looks like he's from New York, the way he talks and how he presents himself. And I think he's a snowbird. So I think he does actually live in New York. But anyways, he came to me and he's like, he laughed at me and he's like, oh, so you don't diversify your investments? And I'm like, no, I don't diversify my investments. I go all in on one thing. And he, and he, and he just like laughed at me, but it was just really funny. Cause I knew like he, he thought he probably thought at, at that time, that point in time that I was a moron, like, Oh, there's this a young kid that doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Cause that's what he's been told throughout his whole entire life. You know, he's an older guy. It's what he's been brought up to think. And the point that I'm trying to get here with, um, cutting out the waste in your mind is if you're working out, what do you have to do? And the reason I'm I'm using the workout method, you know, or um, ideology part of it is because that's the best way you can think about this. The easiest way to think about what I'm saying and logically understand what I'm saying. If you're working out, what do you normally do? You have to diet, right? You have to diet and you have to cut out all the fatty foods. You got to cut out the sugar. You got to cut out the crap that's making you fat and lazy and not energetic, and then you got to... Fix that habit with good food. So you got to replace, cut out the crap, and replace it with good stuff, and and fill your body up with good nutrition, right? Same thing if you're working out. You got to go and find better workouts that are going to give you more muscle. If you want, you know, you want your biceps to get bigger, you got to work on your biceps and get different, um, different. Uh, what's the word I want? Different like lessons or um, workout techniques. That's what I wanted. Techniques, right? You got to go for different techniques to be able to work out those biceps, because if you're working on legs, your biceps are not gonna get bigger. So you gotta cut out the crap, and it's the same thing with your mind. You gotta cut out all the useless information that's been carried down for generation of generation of generation, and really pay attention to where this information is coming from, because we live in a society where your all your beliefs, all your ideas are marketed to you, right? They're passed down from your parents, they're passed down from your cousins, they're passed down from friends that you're meeting and stuff and that you talk to all the time, and whenever you pitch them something, they're counteracting it, or they're trying to teach you a different way. You're collecting information from so many different places that it contradicts each other. So what you need to start doing is is start paying attention to the information that you have and really go and see where the the base of it is coming from. So a lot of like investments and, and terms and stuff come from banks, they come from the government, they come from Wall Street, right? So you really need to understand where the information is coming from and why people are telling you that and who's benefiting from that information. Are you benefiting financially from that information or is someone else benefiting off the backbone of that information? And, and I've, had, I've had an episode before where I talked about information is, is key, right? Your information, your, your source of information is very, very, very important um, because, if you're getting the wrong information, you're going to go in the wrong direction. If you're getting the right information, you're going to go in the right direction. And, you know, this is why, um, and this is going to lead into the next, the next topic, uh, once I get, you know, get to it, is this is why like Hitler burned the books, right? He knew that if there's a lot, if there had a lot of libraries in Germany, and the people that he was trying to manipulate and control, right, the Germans, the Nazis, and they were reading, it would over, the information would overpower them, and they would overtake him, and they'd see the truth. They couldn't see the truth, because they burned all the information. They burned all the books, they burned all the, the, the papers, the letters, everything, they burned all the information, so they dumbed down the population, so they can control the population better. And that's why, like, at first, when I first, uh, was looking at history and stuff and I was you know looking at you know how because uh, you tell yourself how does one man dominate the whole entire world how does this one man get his ideology to these people and then dominate and the first time I saw like you you know I heard about burning books and burning letters and information and I was like okay but you know how does that how does that work or how does that do that and create this person to create um, you know more structure and at first I overlooked it and then I really got into it once I started learning about information that we've been told in the United States itself that have been a lot of, you know, it's been lied and manipulated. So you go and do certain things and marketing and that's, you know, when I became a marketer too, I think, uh, when I tried to step into the marketing shoes where I started learning how um, you're being marketed every single day, every single day, someone's trying to get something out of you. So they're trying to market you different information. So you just, like like I said, you want to cut out the waste, things that you've been told through generation of generations and cut out that waste or that fatty content that's useless, right? Fatty content is useless. Cut that fat out of your mind and start replacing it with good information. Start reading books on knowledgeable people. Start reading books on things you want to learn. Um, I had this guy uh, that I'm friends with. at, at uh, He's a co-worker at, um, at, at uh, the warranty company I work for that I sit next to. And he was like, hey, man, you're very, very knowledgeable in business. And he goes, my friend wants to open up a tattoo to shop. Like, how do you think she gets started? And what information can I give her where she can go and do this? And I said, the best advice I can give you, because I'm like, I don't know that market. I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't know the tattoo industry. I don't know the market. I can't tell you what to tell her to, to get her successful. But what I can tell you is the best advice I can give you to pass to her is start reading books on people that have been doing you know, that, that have been a tattoo artist for 20 or 30 years where they're telling you all their mistakes and, and, and things they did right. And things that if they would have known better, um, in the, in the present, or I mean, in the past, they would have done differently to be more successful today. That's working for them today. And that's the best advice I can give you is start replacing that, that garbage information in your mind with books, with information from, from people that are telling you the truth. It's really why I gravitated towards Grant Cardone is because he's telling you the truth on things. And most people don't like him because it sounds like he's cocky or he's arrogant or he's too full of himself. He's too confident. Um, And when he says certain things, it it punches you in the face, right? It it, it literally punches you in the face and you have to rethink about what he just said. Well, wait, he said not, uh, you know, uh, a home is not really a good investment. Why is that? Let me look into that, right? So... That's things that I'm trying to tell you is you want to cut out that fatty content of wrong information in your mind and replace it with healthy, good information. Just like if you're working out and you had to go on a diet you get rid of all the sugars and fats and you're going to replace it with good nutrition. And that's the best. That's like the best thing I can really give you. Start cutting out that crap and start putting good things in. start reading about things you want to learn. You want to go open up a business and open up a gym. Go read about it. Go look in and go to people that are doing it right. That are going to give you information and podcasts and information on it. Um, that's how I'm, you know, I consider myself very business savvy and that's how I'm doing it because I listen to business, um, you know, different entrepreneurs that are very successful. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts from Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, uh, Dale Carnegie. Um, I, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, I, I've listened to, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like his interviews and Ben, uh, What's Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and different people where I'm trying to collect different information from these successful people. And I'm reading books all the time. Right. I, I took a recent trip and I was reading, uh, some people might not want to read it, but uh, the art of the deal by Donald J Trump. Right. And the reason I was reading that, not, not because of like politically, I was reading it because I wanted to see how he thinks, how his mind is, because whether you want to believe it or not, he has one of the best uh, promoters or marketers around the world. Uh, that's, that's kind of why he won. He, he marketed very, very strongly to a certain base and the way he marketed it won. That's what I was just actually watching on Netflix with uh, it's kind of forgot what it's called. It's called like hat hack, uh, Hacked or something where they're going through the whole Facebook issue where um, Facebook basically allowed this marketing company that he used or whatever. And, they basically collected all this data from people's profiles and they targeted certain audiences a certain way or demographic a certain way, which is marketing, like marketing in general. That's why it's kind of funny how they're saying certain things, but I guess the way they collected the data, I guess they're saying is wrong, but um, it's all, you know, a topic for a whole other different show. But the point is I'm trying to collect information, like good information, get a, cut the bad information out. That's what I mean by cutting out the waste in your mind. You want to cut out that fatty content that's wrong, place it with healthy content. And I'm trying to think. Um, I give you like another example, but I mean, we're already on almost an hour. I'm trying to make the you know at least an hour and a half. So I'm gonna move on to the next one, the next topic. So the next topic is gonna be look back at history and the old ways of life. Um, and the reason I came up with this was one day I was thinking to myself, uh, I was watching a you, know, you might like him, you might not like him. Uh, a Jordan Peter. Actually, it was yesterday, I believe, Saturday. Um, I was watching a Jordan Peter. Uh, he was going through. Christianity and um, he was going through different, different like political ideologies and identity, identity politics and stuff. And I was just listening to, to him for a while and he was going back to uh, the, fa- the, the founders of the United States of America. And cause I'm very, very interested in the history, right? If, uh, if you know me, I'm very, very interested in history. And the reason I'm very interested in history is I, I like the saying that I learned back in high school where they said, uh, my history teacher was like, history always repeats itself. And the reason it always repeats itself is because people don't pay attention to history. Decades go by and they tend to make the same terrible choices as the last group from history. Because people aren't paying attention like decades back. They're paying attention to right now. They're in the present. They're only focused on right now, not the future, not really the past. And so they're just present. And they're like, oh, we have this problem, we have that problem. And that's why you that's why you tend to have, excuse me, a lot of terrible policies and procedures that are in place from politicians, as they cater to the idea of right now, the present, and they don't really look back at history. And it, it's been the problem since the decade of time. So the same thing with, uh, you know, I'm going to give you some examples really quick, but the... You know, this is where it came back to burning and getting the wrong information and uh, trying to basically control. There's a lot, a lot of things, um, you know, I don't know what political, uh, you know, political party you you tend to align with or um, you you present yourself as. But, and it doesn't matter, by the way, I'm just going to tell you the blunt, honest truth and the facts. That's what goals and updates is really about. I'm I'm not trying to bullshit cookie, you know, cut around the cookie cutter or, uh, you know, sprinkle a little bit of sugar on it i'm just going to tell you the honest truth but you'll see that a lot with what's going on politically right now where um they're trying to control speech they're trying to uh go out and they're trying to control certain people and demographics and um you know it's it's a big thing with like certain groups too like that's a big reason why a lot of like black communities and minority groups spanish uh don't do very well financially is not because they can't work, they can't go out and and make money. It's because they have the wrong information. They're getting information from this one source that's pouring on the wrong information, and it's skewing up their ideologies. And they they can't really, they they don't know how to make money, and they don't know how to to live comfortably and do budgeting and live by their means. And, um, you know, the United States is really built on debt. It's really, you know, you see with the government itself. You know, we're in... I think it's like a couple I don't know the physical like amount like we're in debt because it constantly I think changes and fluctuates, you know, every single day. I think it's like 15 or 12 trillion dollars I think we're at right now, but I uh, don't quote me, I don't know. I I just know it's in the trillions. So, you know, that's how you know the country's built upon debt because even the politicians can't control the debt and they're overspending and they can't constantly control it or budget or do anything. So, my point my point being is you gotta look back at history. All right. Look, you know, go through the Holocaust, go through uh the, the wars that we had within this country. Uh the the most interesting too is is you don't even have to go through the history of just this country, which I highly, highly recommend if you're living in the United States or even if you're just anyone in general. Start looking at the history of the country, right? Um and I was talking to a long, long time ago with a uh, one of my friends it's actually this, the the, per, the two people that actually joined their father and i was talking to him about you know he's he, ta- he talks a lot about greece and i remember sitting with him one time and he was going over the history of greece and he was like hey do you know what this is and hey do you know what that is and i was like no but i'm really interested you could tell me and like we just i just listened to him and he talks about all the history upon greece and how there's a lot of foundations that are brought from over there to here and how they were kind of the original founders of this and the founders of that and they built this and then you know. Americans kind of took it and did this or they, you know, just the history of it in general. And I was very intrigued because I've never really looked at history outside of the United States into a different country. It's always just been the United States history because my big thing, and I'm going to give you like a personal story was when they taught me history in school, I didn't care for it because I was young. I was, you know, very arrogant. I was just like, I don't want to be here. It's a prison here, which, you know, technically is, but I'm like, I don't want, I don't care what they have to say. I'm not going to do my homework. I'm not going to do this. I cheat on things. I didn't, I wasn't a good student when I was in high school. Um, and I kind of barely passed a barely, uh, barely a 2.0. So what happened was when I got a little bit older and I started to, to dive into a little bit of politics, because once you start getting older, you can't, you can't escape politics. You kind of end up, uh, you hear a lot from your parents, your parents politically kind of, um, You kind of tend to get influenced a lot by your parents politically, your friends, different elements. And you hear a lot of arguments going on between people because uh, politics in the United States is very, is a very like, it shouldn't be, but it is where it's very like uh, polar, polarized, where this side thinks they're always right. And this other side thinks they're always right. And when they try to come and and debate and talk, one side kind of, kind of does listen right? But another side really doesn't have a, they don't really care for anything. They're just like, oh, you're wrong. It's a waste of my time. I'm not going to listen to you. And Another side's kind of like, okay, like we'll sit down and talk about it. Um, but you know, it's probably not going to change. But the point that I'm trying to get at is the history behind it is I then started getting into history because I'm like, oh, why do we have this law? Why do we have that law? Like where did gun, you know, wh- like, why do we have guns in society? Why do we have this? And I had to go back in time and start reading, you know, history and start going like, Hey, why do we have the second amendment? Why do we have the first amendment? Why, you know, what's the civil war? Like I had to dive deeper into the civil war. I dove into uh, the Vietnamese war. I dove into the, I didn't really do too much on the Korean war to be honest with you or the cold war yet, but I dove into different parts of the United States history and I started learning about different things where I'm like, Oh shit. Like, that's why we have this. That's why this makes sense. That's why this is over here. And I wouldn't have, I've, like, actually known any of that stuff unless I went back through history because, like I said, I wasn't a good high school student. I tended to say, screw this. I'm not going to do the homework. I, I failed, like, almost every single test I took in, in high school, and I barely passed with a 2.0 GPA, like I said. So I had to go back and redevelop the history, re, you know, reread history books and go through different documentaries of war that we went through. And it wasn't until I started to do that where I started learning about the history of the United States and I started understanding the foundations. Now, the, re- you know, now the reason how we got to this point was, like I was saying, I was listening to this, um, this person, Jordan Peterson, which, like I said, if you're, you know, if you're left-leaning, you're not going to like what I have to say probably about this stuff. But it's, it's mostly because the left doesn't tend to like history very much. Um, they look at history, but they look at it as a self-image point of view instead of a 360 point of view, and that's the big—that's I'm telling you—that's a big flaw. You gotta look at history as if you're living through it, and you gotta look at it as a 360, not just oh, if I was there, I'd do this. And that's the big thing with history. You got thats the biggest advice I could give you when you're doing any type of history uh, reports or research. Look at it as if I was living through this. What would it be like? What would the surroundings look like? Who would be in charge? what would my scenery be like? Cause it's not going to be like today where it's 21st century. Where you have all the information and technology at your hands. It's going to be at a time where everyone didn't have the information we have right now. We don't have, they didn't have really computers back then. They didn't have Google that, you know, I don't even think Google was invented back then. Um, you had like more like Yahoo and ask Jeeves and stuff like that. Right. That was a little, and that was even like, you know, after all this stuff too, by the way. But anyways, so when you're looking through history, that's what you got to have to do is look through like a 360 point of view. But the reason I got to this point was I was listening to Jordan Peterson. He was doing a uh, he was at a university giving a uh, presentation and he was going through the ideologies of like Christianity and how like the United States basically formed and how a lot of people compare uh, Christianity to cults and and he was basically going through and he was like, this is why the founding fathers did this. And this is how this was because of the most of them were Christianity descendants or colonists. Right. Because at the time before we were the United States of America, we, we had colonies, the 13 colonies that eventually formed and became the United States. Then we added on different states. So he was going through and he was like the founding fathers were Christian oriented based. Right. And he was going through the philosophies of Christianity. And he's like, most of the stuff we have today is based upon Christianity beliefs. And it was just very, very interesting because when I was listening to it, I was just kind of like, damn, like, it makes a lot of sense. But he's saying, like, I understand how we got this and why this is here. And uh, and he was basically saying, like, you know, it's it's a code. It's basically like it's a belief system, right? Like, you, that's your beliefs. When, that's Religion is belief. Right. You believe in something so strong that you live by those beliefs. And what he was trying to say is like, like in politics, you know, if you if you take it as Republican and Democrat, Republicans normally tend to look at it as they follow. You know, that's why they tend to mostly be generated by Christians and uh, religion. And they're very, very religious individuals. Then you take the Democrats and most of them are atheists and they don't really believe in God and they don't. Um, they tend to believe like government is more God and no one's better than the government. And, you know, they tend to, they tend to change having a God for religion as the government is God and the government should do this and the government should do that. And they replace religion with the government. Right. Um, and if you don't believe me, just, you know, take a look, go dive into politics. That's the straight honest truth. It's the biggest difference between the two groups is one is very religious based. The other one doesn't believe in God. That's why you see um, they want to take the national anthem out of schools and they want to get rid of God and God we trust. And they're trying to take the word God out of everything throughout history, right? And that's why they're trying to do that. They don't, they don't, they don't believe in religion. They don't believe in a God. They believe the government is God. And that's what they're trying to do, I'm trying to boast that to you. So the, the whole point that I'm trying to get at here is you got to look at history. History is so, so, so important. And I think most people would agree with me that history is important, but people just don't learn about history. And, you know, like the Second Amendment's a great one. You have all these people that are like very, very pro-gun control, and they don't understand that. If you would look at history, just take the Holocaust and just really dive into the Holocaust, you would understand that gun control was the big issue that led – and that's how he conquered a lot of these territories by the way a lot of these countries hitler conquered a lot of these countries because of gun control a lot of these european countries are very very gun controlled areas so when they started to you know invade these countries the citizens weren't armed they couldn't protect themselves they couldn't fight back against the resistance and that's how he conquered these areas and you know, and that's the problem. Like a lot of these places didn't have, you know, pro guns like we have in the United States. The other ideology that I can give you is like if, you know, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on this because it's an endless debate. It's there, there's so many different things that contradict each other, and uh, you know, it's it's an endless like rabbit hole. I like to say, but uh, depending on who you're talking about with it. But the other thing that you should really think about is, you know, why did terrorists really have to uh, use bombs to take out people? And I, I can already hear like people on the left going, oh, it's a stupid argument. But think about it logically for a second. Why don't they just bring guns? They have guns, by the way, guys. They have guns. Why don't they just, you know, get on a private plane or, uh, you know, come over here with guns and just start shooting people up and killing, you know, do mass uh, mass shootings, uh, terrorist mass shootings. The re- reason is very, very simple. It's because there's so many guns in the population of the United States that the civilians just fire back at them and they won't really do too much damage they might you know they're probably going to kill some people but they're not going to kill as many people as as bombing buildings and throwing airplanes into buildings like 9-11 It's the whole reason they had to take over the airplanes and and bash the the world trade center down with airplanes because you know they're trying to make they're trying to do as much damage as, as physical as physically possible so that's why they used planes in 9-11 to take down the, you know, the World Trade Center. And, and, and you know, people don't think about that stuff. So that, that, that's a big reason. But like I said, the gun control bit can go on and on. It's like an endless, you know, rabbit hole. But you got to start looking at history. And the Second Amendment was started because the colonies at the time when they were forming the United States of America, most of them were British descendants, right? They were British descendants. And they, they couldn't overthrow the British empire to take back what they wanted because they didn't have, they weren't armed. They, they didn't have, they didn't bear arms in Britain and they couldn't fight back against the tyranny of like taxation and um, different elements that you have in the United States today that they, that the founding fathers fought against. And so they, what happened was they put in law, the second amendment to go, you know, the government should not be able to overtake the civilians. And that's why you have the second amendment. It's to fight tyranny, government tyranny. And now that argument's been very you know, overly used and the left tries to constantly debate that one. But that's the, that's the cold hearted truth is the founding fathers put that law in place because they ran from a, uh, a tyranny type of government. And they formed this government knowing that eventually government would expand. And the only way to fight and make sure the government didn't take over completely was to give more power to the, civ- uh, the civilians or the citizens of the United States of America. And that's why the gun control is such a, is one of the most important debates besides free speech. Free speech is the other one, but I'd say free speech is probably more important. Um, I mean, it's very, very debatable about free speech and gun control, which one's the most important. But that's why the Second Amendment is very, very important. And you know a lot of people have no idea what they're talking about. Because they're just listening to news and they're listening to these outlets that are telling them, oh, give in your guns. Like, you don't need guns, right? But they don't understand the importance of them. They don't understand the history behind the guns, right? So that's that's the big thing. Now, you know, it's debatable if, like, you can put little things here that help whatever. That's really what you should be debating on, not the Second Amendment. And there's very radical leftists that want to get rid of that Second Amendment. And it's the dumbest argument you'll ever make is it makes no logical sense to get rid of that Second Amendment. And I can already see, you know, people saying like, oh, it's, you know, whatever. But that's the point I'm saying is history. If you look at history properly, you'd be able to see why you have certain amendments in place. And like I said, you don't have to go through the United States. history. I really recommend it. If you're living in the United States, you really should know the Constitution and the amendments and why we have certain things and why we do certain ways and how to make money and all that good jazz. But that's why you want to learn about history. Um, I wish I would have brought the book, but I have this little picture book. I recently just bought this little picture book, and it's going over um, the Civil War. And I know what the majority of why the Civil War happened, what was going on, you know, slavery and all that stuff, but I really wanted to dive deeper into it and understand certain elements. Now, the one thing I can talk to you since we're talking about history is is, um, what I learned in there is most people talk about the united states being very racist and slave owners which is which is it was true right back in the very you know back in the first formations of um united states they, they had slaves uh founding fathers had slaves uh different people or different parties it was very very um it was very famous to have or very trendy to have slaves right What most people do not talk about when they debate you on that, if you're if you're Republican and, you know, and how to like why you should get over it and how you're not focusing on other elements is the left never talks about who started slavery. It wasn't the United States that started slavery. It was Africa that started slavery. Right. Africa was the, the country that started selling their own people across the whole entire world as slaves. But no one talks about Africa, right? Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know that Africa sold slaves on ships and gave it to the United States. I didn't know that, you know, um, I didn't know any of this stuff relating to slavery, how slavery completely started and who kind of started it and what happened. And when I was reading the book, which my uh, my ex-girlfriend, you know, at the time was my girlfriend, made fun of me. She's like, hey, it's a picture book with just little, you know, it's, it's basically like an animated big ass picture book. And she's like, with just like brief descriptions in it. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to learn from this, right? It's information, it's history. Like I need to learn about it because I didn't pay attention and they didn't really teach me about the civil war too much in history class. Funny enough, right. They didn't really teach me about the history in in, in school, they just told me about the civil war and what it fundamentally was about and they didn't really go over it a lot, and they just pushed on to the next topic that was in their little chapter book, right, or their, or their, their lesson for the week. So I started researching it, and they don't ever talk about that. They never bring up the point that, uh, you know, the United States has constantly apologized for slavery and, um, and stuff like that, and that Africa has never once apologized for, you know, enslaving their own people and selling their own people for a price, And that's the big thing that is not talked about in the history of the United States was Africa was a big part of slavery. Their own people sold their their own supply of their own race to make money off of them. And people don't talk about that. Now, obviously, it doesn't make what the United States did right. But I also read in there that a lot of the founding fathers didn't want slavery. They didn't want slavery they didn't want uh they knew that they were eventually going to have to fight against it but they knew at the time there was only 13 colonies and they weren't the United States of America at the time there's only 13 colonies that were working together and they knew that if they didn't if they basically played that they wanted to end slavery these 13 colonies might not be 13 colonies anymore they might branch off into other areas because at the time that was the belief system they had to fight against and they knew that if they would come up and like let's say this one colony didn't want to do slavery anymore and they did a debate on it and they fought politically against it they were gonna it was gonna completely crush them and it was gonna polarize them and it was gonna cause them not to be 13 colonies anymore that's what i was also reading in there which no one ever talks about in in your history class or no one ever talks about physically when they debate you um And what ended up happening was eventually once things became the United States of America and they got certain colonies back together and whatever, that's when you saw Abraham Lincoln come into place and said, Hey man, this is not right. We're gonna fight against slavery and free the slaves. And that's why, you know, the South and the North fought each other, because their ideologies were different and their beliefs were different. And that's what really formed the two parties that you see nowadays, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, off of that off of that basically off of that uh that civil war and people don't talk about that but this is all history based and i didn't know any of this stuff until i opened up a history book and started reading about these wars and what started this war and uh why did this person go this way and why did this person have this ideology and why did this person do that that's why history is so important history is what sets you free history is what sets everybody free you, the information you're learning from what your founding fathers did wrong and what they did right so that's why history is important and I very I, I highly recommend just looking through history books and maybe briefly maybe take a war and just be like you know I'm kind of curious like I know a little bit about why this war started but do I really know the full 360 point of view of the war and both sides of of the of the war Vietnamese war was one of the most interesting uh, wars that I actually dove into Because there was very polarizing groups that wanted, you know, civilians were against the government. The government was kind of like against uh, the civilians. And there was two different wars, they say. The first war was physically going to Vietnam and helping the South fight the North. So that was the real physical war. And then there was a second war within the United States of America, within its own community and its own civilians, fighting to get them out of the war. So there was two wars going on in the Vietnamese or Vietnam War. I don't know, why I said Vietnamese war, but uh Vietnam War. And that's very interesting too because most people don't talk about the whole uh the whole second part of that war. They just focus on why we, you know, the physical war part or um the actual war itself going to Vietnam and helping the south fight in the north. So anyways, that's looking back at history and the old ways of life and the old ways of life, by the way, real quick to wrap this up is you start learning that a lot of the stuff that you have today is kind of useless compared to some of the techniques that were used in the past. What I mean by that is the food we eat, uh, exercise, the way they exercise. Like you got to think for a second. I hate when people say I'm just not energized. Like I don't have the energy. You have to think about humans as a whole. Humans were brought up before we had lights and electricity and, and supermarkets. They had, they would create spears and they would go hunt lions and tigers and, um, these wo- wo- uh, woolly mammoths and stuff, right. They had to go hunt. And so what people don't realize, which is kind of crazy is that we were never this lazy before. What happened? Technology started coming in and doing certain things and creating, Jobs and making like work easier, so you can go sit at a computer. Kind of what I'm doing right now. Tech, if if I didn't have this technology around me, I wouldn't be able to do the podcast, right? And I wouldn't be able to try to promote myself to a bigger audience and move forward. And that's kind of what's crazy is where we don't look at history, you don't look at the past at all. A lot of people just look ahead and they look at the present and the and kind of they don't even really look at the future. They just kind of look at the present. They're always in the present, always in the present. But I really highly recommend you look at the history. Of different things because that's what really sets you free um, and you start learning like you don't need a lot of this stuff Like I don't need the TV behind me I don't really need this microphone I don't I don't really need a lot of this stuff but it, it just helps me move things faster and like I, I can I can be a better version of myself faster and it speeds things up you create you're, you're creating more time so that's the big thing with like history and and like that's you know like the old ways is what I'm trying to get at is you need to look at history to understand the, 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 the fundamentals of like humanity and and why people do what they do. And it's kind of going a little bit into psychology, right? Like psychology is why people think or act the way they act and think. And that's what history allows to happen is when you go back to history, you see like, Oh wow. Like how did they live without like electricity and like lights? Like I was thinking to myself one time, like, wow, it's so crazy when it gets nighttime outside, you just go to your house and turn on a light or you bring a flashlight with you or whatever. But back then when they hunted, they had to hunt in the dark and they had to hunt animals that had night vision, right? And humans can't obviously see that well at, at nighttime. We don't really have uh, you know that, that grid of, of vision. We don't have like night vision in us. Um, a little bit debatable about how your eyes adjust and stuff, but it's not like night vision, it's just your eyes can adjust a little bit in the dark. But the point is like they had a hunt without lights they had a they had a cook without lights so how do they do that right where did we come from like it's crazy now a lot of people argue you know we came from monkeys and apes and stuff i don't believe in that in that uh you know that they call that uh, uh evolution right they call it evolution i don't believe in that crap uh you know sorry if you take offense to me saying it's crap but i really don't believe in that ideology but um, cause there's other things that had to take place for that, you know, even if that ide- even if that ideology was true, which I don't believe it is, but let's say it is true. There's other fundamentals that had to happen in order for that to happen. So kind of contradict itself. But anyways, um, so just, that's the topic that I'm trying to get to is you want to look back or look back at history, but you know, and learn from the old ways of life. And maybe adapt some of that stuff. Like that's the big problem that you're having nowadays is one side's trying to tell you to just completely forget about the past and just move forward. Um, Another part is like, hey, man, the the past is really important. That's what fundamentally founded us and and caused us to be the way we are today. And that's what keeps us on track. And that's how we get from point A to point B. And that's how we stay sane, right? And the other party is kind of just like, you know, screw that shit. We don't need that. Um, so you just want to really, really be careful of, uh, you know, where you're, like I said, it kind of comes back to cutting out the waste in your mind and putting nutrition back into your mind, right? Put healthy information in your mind. Um, and people don't talk about that either, where, you know, your mind is the most important thing. Your mind controls everything, everything without the mind. You can't see, uh, you can't see this video without your mind. You can't hear and process the information going into your brain. Without your mind, you can't control your words and how your mouth moves and your hands and feet and toes and your head and your neck. You can't control any of that without your brain, your mind. So you have to realize it's the most important, the most important instrument that you have or the most important equipment that you're equipped with is your mind. So that's why I created this show, by the way, with goals and updates is I'm going to help you train to get there. I'm going to help you see a way different picture than everyone's presenting to you. And I'm going to make you more optimistic and I'm going to show you that there's a different way of thinking and looking at the world. And then the world is not so much, you know, as evil as a lot of people want to picture and categorize, uh, categorize it as. So, you know, stick with me. Right. And, you know, and like, I, you know, I'm not always right. Right. Like some of this stuff, like I'm going to tell you if it's like uh if it's a theory I came up with or, I got it from this, or you know, and I'm kind of questioning about it. I'm still thinking, like, if it's something where I'm not sure, I don't have a lot of facts to back it up. I'm not going to tell you that it's 100% true, right? Unless I have facts to back it up and be like, hey, man, like, you know, this is true. Like, just take a look and look here, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. Um, but and I'm never going to give you any information I don't really believe in, anyways. Like, if I don't really truly truly believe in it, I'm probably not even really talk about it, anyways. So, like I said, I try to lead by example now. I'm going to do done deal investments really quick and then we'll wrap this up. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. My company that I own is called done deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Now with this business, what it's designed to do is it's designed to take it a distressed seller or someone that wants to sell their property extremely fast for a quick cash offer as is, um, and take a investor, right? And put them on a deal. So the whole reason we're taking an investor is they're already a buyer that wants to buy the property. There's no putting it on the market and hoping to God that someone drives by the little sign and go, oh man, I want to buy that property. It's a guaranteed fast sale, right? Within a week we can sell your property. So if it's something that you're interested in, let me know. I'm going to go over how it works and who it kind of mainly will work for or, or, the, or the problems that it will solve for you as a property owner. And I'm gonna go through the three steps of what I call the three steps to financial freedom in just a minute. But if you're curious about the business, if you wanna learn more about it, I highly recommend going to our website at www.donealinvestment.com and just look up, um, there's different tabs. Like if you're an investor and you're very curious on how you can become an investor with Dundeal Investments and get the properties and uh, you know, help out the sellers, or if you're just a property owner and you're really curious about how the selling process would work for you and what it does for you, just go to that website and hit the sellers tab. Um, We have an, uh, I think we, I'm pretty sure on there we have the about me page, which I got to work on a little bit more and get you more information on that. But you can contact me in any way, right? Which we'll get to in a minute. So who this mainly works for really quick before we go into the three steps of financial freedom. Who this mainly works for is situations like if you have liens on your property, now, liens are just very easy um, explanation where if like you're going to live in a city, right? So for instance, I live in Coral Springs. Um, that city has codes. So if someone came up and was like, your roof's dirty, I'm going to cite you. And they put a lien on your property. And, and, and if you don't pay that right away, every single day it accumulates interest. And if you didn't have maybe $200 the first citation, now it's stacked up to $1,000, are you are kind of trapped. You're like, oh man, I don't have a resource to help me out. That's where Dundeal Investments would help you sell that property fast. And then we go and get you another property. Now, this would also work for if you're behind on back taxes where you just haven't paid the government on your property tax and they're coming and trying to repossess your property, which does happen. Um, this, you know, this would help you too with Dundeal Investments LLC. Now, the other one would be if you got a job transfer. A job transfer is very uh, self-explanatory where if I got, I found another opportunity that's way better for me in a different state or maybe another couple of cities down and I have to move to make it work. Dundee investments would be able to help you sell that very, very fast within a week. Quick cash offer through an investor. And you might only really have like a week to sell that. Most of the time when you get the job, uh, you need to, like a job transfer, they're quick decisions like, oh man, we need you here in the next three weeks to work in the next two weeks. And if you go through a real estate agent, it might take them four, you know, Four weeks to like a month and a half. So you just you know you, if you want to sell it quick in a situation like that, that's where Dundee Investments LLC would help you out. The other one would be um, if you're behind uh, on your payments for your mortgage with a bank. Most of the time, a mortgage is through a bank or a mortgage company. Uh, that would be with Dundee Investments would help you get out of there because if you're behind on the loan, right? You go to the bank, you get the loan. Now you're behind in what they call a pre foreclosure. They would basically be like, all right, man, you missed these payments. We're going to repossess your property since it's our money that's on the line, which we gave you. And you're going to be like, well, I need a little bit more time. They're going to be like, I don't care. It's my money. I want it back and you're not paying me. So we're going to repossess this property by law. That's something where a lot of people get in trouble is the pre-foreclosure. So this would be a great way to get you out of there. We would pay off the rest of the mortgage. We would give the, we'd obviously give the house to the investor. And we would, you know, get you into another property and we'd give you all the resources that you needed. And we would help you sell that property very fast to an investor. Uh, divorce is, a, is another one where, you know, divorce, obviously no one wants to go through the divorce. It's a very, you know, tricky situation where most of the time, depending on the states, the state's legislative, or at least in Florida, because that's where my business is, is in Broward County, Florida. They, um, it's a 50-50 state. So this would be a great way. And the property, by the way, normally if you have a property with a spouse or a loved one, that's the hardest one to get rid of really fast and split it 50-50 or that's the hardest one to debate on whether you're going to give them X, Y, and Z or, or this or that, right? So with Dundale Investments, what we can do is we could basically sell your house within the week and you just split it 50-50 down the middle with that cash offer, with that um. You know, when you go through that divorce and you have to split the, the the property or the equity in the property 50-50. Now, uh the last one I think I can think of off the top of my head would be if you inherited a property, which is not typically very common, but you know, it does happen a, a decent amount of times where a loved one gets a little bit older or whatever happens to that loved one and they pass away and they give you the property in their will. And you're like, hey, I already have a property I rent, or I do X, Y, and Z. And I don't want this property. I kind of just want to get rid of it. That's where done investments would help you. And normally with these inherited properties, the people are kind of older and they tend not to really take care of the property with the maintenance on it because they're just older. They don't, they figure, okay, I don't really have the time to do this or they're not even thinking about it and, you know, investing more capital into that property and selling it later on. So they normally just, you inherited this property that has a lot of issues, a lot of maintenance on the property, which you have to fix in order to sell it on the market. For full market value, so that's something where Dundee Investments can help you as well. Where you could just sell it as is, and we would just give you the cash from the equity of the house. Now, the um, so those are like the prop; those are the problems that Dundeal Investments can mostly solve, right? Like those are the problems that I can give you. where there, there are examples, now we can do many, many other other ways that you have problems. Whether you just don't like a re- you don't want to deal with a real estate agent for many, many reasons, where. Um, real estate agents. The first thing that only happens is they take forever to sell the home. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, not everyone takes forever to sell the home, but it, the market is very saturated with real estate agents, and they tend to be a little loose, and they tend not to really work hard. You would have to like get out of the property, and they'd have to keep showing open houses of the property, and that's very annoying. Um, and that's done. Deal investments won't do that. I'll actually explain to you why it's actually better going through us than a real estate agent for one simple reason: we use a lot of technology to sell your property. And we don't do any of the open houses. So, and I'll show you how we're gonna do that when I go through the three steps of financial freedom. But the other thing, the big thing with the real estate agents is they charge very, very high commission fees. So when you go to sell that property, you actually lose a lot of money in commission fees because the real estate agent has to make money and the broker that they're using has to make money on the deal too. So you tend to lose a lot of money on the deal from the high commission fees from that real estate agent. So which is, I think the range is like 6% on the house or you know, around there, I think it's like 6% uh, with commission fees. So anyways, those are the reasons. Now I'm gonna go into the three steps that I call the three steps to financial freedom and this is how Dundee Investments LLC works. So the first step of financial freedom is we, we, uh, we have to schedule a phone call or you have to call us or contact us somehow where I can ask you questions on your property and the problem that you're trying to solve within your property, like why you need to use Dundeal Investments. Now, we're basically everywhere, so there's no excuse why you can't contact us directly. We are on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're on, uh, we have our own website, www.dundealinvestment.com. We have our own email, which is Investments at outlook.com. Uh, the phone number would be 954-857-6450. You could text that, call. I do prefer calling. It's just easier. It's more personable. It's just better to get through questions faster. And the thing with the phone is it's my direct number. So if you call it and I don't answer right away, I'll get back to you as fast as I can. I work a full-time job as well with um, on top of done deal investment. So what happens is my job is a no phone a no use phone um area. I can't go on the phone at all or else I get written up and I can lose my job being on the phone or my cell phone. So the point being is I work that job Monday through Saturday. Tuesdays I'm normally off. Sundays I'm off and Saturdays I get out early. But I'm normally working from ten to six thirty and so it's probably around if you're gonna if you're gonna try to contact us around those times, I definitely would probably recommend doing like an email or uh, go on the website, filling out a form and I'll just contact you whenever I get off of work or however you feel more comfortable doing, or if you just want to leave a voicemail, I just encourage you. If you call, leave the voicemail. A lot of people don't like leaving voicemails, but leave a voicemail. So I know who it is and I can contact you and try to, you know, obviously go faster through the questions. The questions I'm going to ask you are very, very easy questions. They're not hard questions. It's just going to be, basically what situation you're trying to get through, what's the problem that we have to work through to solve to get you satisfied. And then what's what are like they're like questions on just the conditions of the property. It's really all it is. Now once all that is done, we go into step two. Now step two, I have to schedule an appointment with you to walk through the property. And this is the part where I'm going to tell you where this is how we outdo the real estate agents and make it so much easier for you. And this is how we sell the properties fast is I come to your property and I go around, I do a walk, what I call a walkthrough. And I'm just looking at different things that the investor would have to to pay and fix. So basically anything that's a cost to an investor, I would write down and get an estimate on. So you got broken windows, you got mold, your roof looks like it needs to be replaced. We have to fix this driveway. Whatever we have to do for that investor to take on the cost of it, I have to jot down and report that to the investor that comes onto this deal. Now, the other thing I do is I take five pictures inside the property and five pictures out. So a total of 10, right? Or at least a minimum of 10, you know, depending on your property, how big it is, you know, it might be more than 10, but a minimum of 10. Now, the reason I'm taking the pictures, I'm getting the, the quotes and the estimate is so when I go and get... And find you an investor, and send them emails, and go through my list. And I and if, if I don't have anyone on my list, by the way. It's my job to do a lot of cold calling and find you another investor. So I'm doing all the legwork. I'm creating the deal, and I'm getting your your situation or problem solved. That's where Done Deal Investments comes into place. Now, the so how so that's basically how it works. And this is why we sell properties faster than most real estate agents. We use a lot of technology and communications with our preset investors on a preset list so that's why we sell them fast and at the same time it's cutting down all that foot traffic so you can keep you know living in the house while we're doing all this work and finding you investors and getting investors on the deal we don't have to do any open houses we don't have to uh, you know showcase anything we could just do it off of all this stuff we're sending the investor and that's how we find you an investor very very fast and that's how we get this, this these deals quick so That's step two. Now, this is a little bit part, you know, a little bit into step two, but it's really part three or step three of the three steps to financial freedom. This is the last step. Now, once we get to the investor, we then have to um, figure out, you know, how much much your property is worth. And we do this by running comps, what I call comps. Now, all this means is we go and try to find, depending on your neighborhood, we're trying to figure out what the average cost of the houses are in your neighborhood. And that's what we're going to negotiate on. So how we basically just do that is we go and find three houses that I've sold that are kind of match as close as we possibly can to your property. And we try to see three houses, if we can find them, that have sold in that market very, very recently. And that's how we get the average cost. And the average cost, we just deduct how much it's going to take for that investor to put into the property. And that bottom price, after all that, is what we're going to negotiate on. So once we come to that price and get the average price, we negotiate it with you um, or whoever the property owner is, we negotiate it and we negotiate the terms. So if you need to stand that property for another two weeks, a month, whatever the deal is, maybe you have to you know, do XS, X and Y before you can move, all that stuff I need to know and that's what we're going to negotiate on and the whole reason we're negotiating on it is so when I put together the contract, it's all there and then I give the information to the investor and go, hey. This is what John needs to do in order to, um, for, in order for him to comfortably move out of his property and sell it and take the cash offer, and this is the price that we negotiated on and agreed upon. And this is what he needs to do in order to get out of the property and and move him forward in in his uh, in, into the out of these financial crises or uh, in in that particular situation, right? So. That's really the whole entire thing. So once all that is settled, we agree on everything and we sign the contract. You'll you know this the property owner will sell that contract, I'll sign it for done deal Investments. And whoever the investor is that gets put on that deal will sign it for that investor or that company. Now basically after this, it's 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 done deal, right? It's a done deal. Hence the name, done deal Investments, right? So it's a done deal, and what happens is the seller now will take that cash offer. He'll go and use it to buy another property and he'll get more resource and more help through done deal investments. If you need a real estate agent, you need a home inspector, you need financing, it's all done deal investments job to give that to that owner or that property owner and help them move along the buying process to get out of that financial situation. Now, the investor is going to take ownership of the property. He's going to flip that property and he's going to make capital on it. And he's going to keep on trying to flip other housing and help other people out of their their problems. Done deal investments will obviously make a profit on the deal because we're doing all the legwork. We're creating the deal. We're helping people out. And so we're solving the problems. And so what's going to happen is we're going to collect commission. And this is going to be called a finder's fee. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, didn't you just say that you're not going to collect, you know, real estate agents collect very, very high commission fees. Yeah, that's right. Dundee Investments is not going to make money off the seller. They're going to make money off the investor. Now, how how that basically works is since I created the deal, or Dundee Investments created the deal, and gave it to the investor, investor is going to pay Dundee Investments for doing all the legwork and giving them the deal to make money off of. That's why the investor is going to pay us. Now, I, you know, I've told that to other people, and they're like, I don't understand how that works. It's very, very self-explanatory, as, as, as I just said, right? So that's uh, that's the whole entire three steps to financial freedom with Dundee investments. Very, very simple. Sounds like a lot of information. It's just some of the steps are a little bit lengthy, but it's three-step process. It's very simple. It's easy. And trust me, like when you go through the process, it's a lot faster than what it sounds. So because a lot of it's just, you know, stuff that I have to do. And there's ways for me to speed up those processes. Now, that's what done Deal investments is doing right now, what I want to get done Deal investments to. And these are some of my goals, cause this is goals and updates. I'm going to tell you what I want to do with this company. Um, and these are pretty massive goals that I want to do with done Deal investments. So what I want to do is scale it to a one-stop shop. Meaning we have real estate agents on our team, like our own real estate agents. So we have our own financing department. We have our own uh, home inspection department and so on and so on. And so what it's going to do is it's going to cut down the buying process for homeowners or property buyers, or investors. And it's gonna be a one-stop shop for all of these individuals. And that's what I want to do because right now if you go and buy a property and if you bought a property in the past, you already know that buying a property is a very lengthy and difficult process because of all the steps that it takes to, to move it forward. And if I can cut it out, you know, cut out all those middle, those third parties, and just make it all a one-stop shop and we, we control everything. I can get the home buying process down uh, quicker and that'll solve that problem. If you go and buy a property right now, you're going to see that you have to go through a real estate agent, through another broker, right? That real estate agent works for a broker. So you gotta go through that brokerage and that real estate agent, then you got to go. And once you, they find, let's say they find you a property, you love it. You want to buy it. Now what you have to do is inspect that home. And go through a third party, through a home, um, a third party home inspector. He's got to inspect the property, send you the report. You got to review it and go. Okay, it's worth the the money putting into this asset. I want to I, now. I want to proceed through the deal. Right now, I know it's a good deal. Now, what you have to do is now go through a bank or another third party and get financing. So. And then there's a little bit other stuff, which you know I'm not gonna bore you with, but that's the the home buying process or buying property process where you gotta go from one company to the next company, to the next company, to the next company, and it delays everything because this company has to go here, and then you gotta go here, and then you gotta go here, and they're not working hand in hand really together, and you know you gotta go through all these different different uh, these different parties, and the communications not right, and a lot of different things where it delays the buying process and that's what I want to do. So I want to increase resources for sellers and property owners, but at the same time I want to increase um, resources for investors, right? And that's really what I want to do is create this where it's going to help these niches and we can even help other niches like the real estate industry and, um, and home inspection industry and, and different stuff like that where we can change the game up that's what I want to do with Dundee Investments and that's my, my goals and updates for that. And like my big massive goals for goals and updates. And no, not goals for updates, I'm sorry. Dundee Investments LLC. So that's Dundee Investments LLC. If you know anyone, have them go look at my website, have them um, ask questions and I'll answer them for you. Uh, and I'm sure people have questions on, you know, even if you're just curious about it, ask me questions, reach out to me. I'll, I'll answer them as best I possibly can. And um, I'll make sure you're on the same page with it. But if you know anyone right? If you have a cousin, you have a family member, you have friends, you have coworkers that are, are complaining that they're about to lose their property or lose their home, or they're, they're stuck in this financial crisis and they're going to have to file bankruptcy and they're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. Have them reach out to Dundale Investments and let's see if we can physically help them out with the equity that's in their property. And maybe they don't have to go through bankruptcy. Maybe they can move on to the next thing or um, you know, there, there's when there's a will, there's a way. Is what my uh, my manager likes to tell me. When there's a will, there's a way. So that's what Dundee Investments is designed to do: is to help out someone that's in a financial crisis with their property. Now, you don't have to be in a financial crisis. Maybe you just don't want to deal with real estate agents, and you just want to sell your property fast and move on to the next deal. Dundee Investments can help with that as well. So contact us. There's no way you can't contact us. You got websites, phone numbers, emails, social media pages. You can mess direct message. So that's done deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Now this has been uh, episode 99 of goals and updates. I appreciate everyone that came out on a Sunday. I actually had a lot of engagement on a Sunday. It's probably cause everyone's not working on Sunday, but the, you know, this is what it's all about. Goals and updates, man. I'm updating you guys. I'm going through topics, trying to, you know, give you some helpful quick topics to go through and, and feed your mind with positivity and not negativity. And that's what goals and updates is all about. So join us. Remember, we're on Podbean, now, and it's it's or Podbean. It's free. You don't have to sign up for anything. I'm telling you, just go check it out. It's so quick and easy. You literally type in goals and And bam, our website pops up with Podbean, and you just press play on any episode you want. Now we have 16 episodes. I don't um If you actually go on there, we have episode nine and then it goes right to, I believe it goes right to 12. I think it's 19 to 12. Now, I don't know what happened to those five episodes in Facebook. I'm assuming Facebook deleted them or something happened, but I'm missing five episodes. So I'm going to try to find, you know, figure out how to get that content back or I got to do something with those five missing pieces of episodes or content, but Right now, we have one to about 16. I'm working on 17 and 18 today, getting them up there. But I'm working hard. And then we're going to work on YouTube. So once all that's good, I'll update you guys within the updates on the next couple episodes. So thank you guys for tuning out on a Sunday. This has been episode 99 of Goals and Updates. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. See you guys later. See you guys tomorrow, Monday, Stay tuned, 730.